You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Collective Cafe, a virtual coffee experience which takes place every single Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in both Alpha Collective's Discord, that's discord.gg forward slash alpha collective and startup clubs house in clubhouse it's free it always will be free there are no strings attached there is no bait and switch lurk or listen only chat with one another in our back chat or even come onto stage the coffee shop is open for business whether you're on the treadmill getting the kids ready for school getting yourself ready for work commuting into the big bad city or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom to your home office on monday we manifest on tuesday we talk thought leadership on wellness wednesday we discuss mental health wellness and life skills on thursday we do live book reads and discussions with the author and then on friday it's no agenda friday where there is no agenda Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption, entrepreneurship, or coaching. So give us a subscribe, bit.ly forward slash Collective Cafe to go, or a review on your favorite podcast platform if you're listening on demand or of course join us every day live it is addictive and remember it is a safe welcoming space and you will never ever be put on the spot this is alpha collectives collective cafe my name is joseph jaffe like the idea of uh, just letting the music play on for just a little bit a little bit it kind of gets me gets me fired up it gets me in the mood and I I'm late I was late a little bit today uh, I was a little bit late today because it is the first official day of public school here in Westport <clears throat> yesterday was a uh, freshman orientation so I guess school began at least the high school began a little bit later but I just got stuck this morning behind ridiculous traffic. Took me, uh, I guess, about 12 minutes uh, this morning going out and then coming back home <clears throat> was about 20, 21 minutes. So I'm, I'm, I'm back. I can calm down. Let every, let's all breathe in and breathe out three times. Don't you feel better? Especially if you're stressed with getting your kids to school today. Um, <clears throat> if you were, if you are, if your kids went back, if they're going back, 
I hope it is a very, very successful year for them and for you and uh, in, in maybe going through a transition from elementary to middle, middle to high, high to college. Um, we're always, always living through uh, transitions. So I thought today, you know, it's Wellness Wednesday, and I thought maybe um, what we would do is we would, uh, I was kind of like riffing on on what I was talking about yesterday, this whole um, idea of, um, um, of uh, being a, what I said, I said I'm a corporate empath. Like what, what does that even mean, a corporate empath? Um, and I and I kind of just spoke about how I um, I kind of feel I feel for companies I feel companies I feel maybe what companies are going through and um, and I think it makes a lot of sense I think it makes a lot of sense because you know a company a brand is really just what is it It's a container It's walls It's a you know It's a logo It's uh, It's terms and conditions It it really isn't isn't anything It's but it but they are people in it. They are human beings in it. Um, and those human beings are, you know, really what makes up the essence, the, 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 the spirit, the life force, the pulse, if you will, um, of a company. And so on the basis of that, you know, I kind of uh, just wanted to keep building on that today um, because when we talk about mental health and mental wellness, a company has to be well too. A company has to be healthy as well. Uh, I'm like deep in, in my prep uh, as well, doing a lot of training um, for EOS, for the coaching that I'm doing now, business and leadership coaching. And, um, and so I'll share just a few insights with you. The one is um, this belief that um, companies need to be healthy and smart. Um, and most companies are just smart. They're not necessarily healthy. And one way to actually think about the difference between healthy and smart um, is the essence of, um, of IQ and EQ, right? So IQ is smart, right? Intelligence, um, you know, your, your strategy, your strategy, um, smarts, um, you know, whether it's patents, whether it's trademarks, whether it's actually your vision, your mission, your, I mean, the, the structure, the, the plan, the roadmap. I mean, we all know that. We all talk about that. We all identify with that. We all um, uh, recognize that. Um, but it's the healthy part that seems a little less formed, a little more ephemeral, a little less tangible. And, um, and it's quite clear that we need to do a lot more work and a lot more development and a lot more thinking uh, behind what it is to be a healthy company. Now, um, within EOS, healthy is defined as this concept of everyone on the same team, rowing in the same direction, cohesive, um, functional, um, you know, groups that that like each other, that work well together, that understand one another. That's what it is to be healthy. And so EQ, emotional intelligence, is a big part of that. And I would probably add now what I've been doing, which is PQ, which is positive intelligence. I almost think, you know, it, it's not to say that IQ plus EQ equals PQ because that's not necessarily true at all. Um, but recognizing that there are, I think, layers of intelligence. So I think that's the first call out today is that there are layers of intelligence. Um, 
And, you know, it's, I think we witness this, we recognize this with humans. Um, that, you know, in fact, we, we call it street smarts and book smarts. That's one of the, um, I'll never forget, I think the first uh, series ever of The Apprentice um, with Donald Trump was, um, they themed it, was, it was book smarts versus street smarts. It's an age-old debate. It's an age-old debate to be able to determine um, who wins and who rules. And, uh, and of course, you know, they've done similar experiments, these almost like social experiments, um, with a survivor, right? Um, being able to kind of bring in, you know, the jocks, right, versus the nerds, so to speak. You know, the, the intelligent versus the, the, physic, the physically capable versus the intellectually capable um, the ones that are better at solving puzzles versus the ones that are better at moving boulders. Um, and, um, and so everyone brings a different skill set to the table. But I think to be successful, a company has to have IQ, EQ, and now I would argue uh, PQ as well. Um, and, um, and PQ probably sits somewhere in the middle between IQ and EQ. Um, so I kind of wanted to start off by actually just recognizing and, and continuing this, this, this theme of uh, being a corporate empath or a corporate or just corporate empathy in general. We should feel for the company. We should feel for the, the pains and, you know, and, and we should think of a company in many respects um, as, as a being, as an organism, um, and so I actually went and, and did a little bit of research today, bringing together a lot of um, a lot of re- <laughs> a lot of writing, I should say, that I wrote about in in Built to Suck, because you know Built to Suck: The Inevitable Demise of the Corporation and How to Save It, which was my fifth book, um, and now I'm spending most of my time. Certainly, I'm not consulting anymore, but I am coaching, and I'm coaching smaller and medium-sized businesses, growing business challenges, um, privately held companies with 10 to 250 employees. Um, and, and so what's the connection? Well, there are many connections, right? On one hand, I'm working with the Davids um, and helping them defeat and slay the Goliaths, so to speak. Um, but on the other hand, uh, there are going to be three hands here, so this is going to be weird. Um, on the second hand, the Goliaths are basically, they don't need David to slay them. They're slaying themselves. A lot of their challenges and a lot of their um, impediments and a lot of the reasons for their demise are what I would call you know, for, uh, unforced errors. They are self-inflicted. The politics, the dysfunction, the, the red tape, the bureaucracy, the um, uh, resistance to change, um, the risk aversion, the conservative approach to work, to business, um, the inability to adapt and evolve. Um, and then the third aspect of this conversational argument is this idea that, that, as I wrote in the book, suckage is inevitable. Let's see how big we get before we suck. Let's see how big we get before we go bad. So one of the interesting things is, you know, my particular lens is when talking to a small or medium business or even a startup, 
the message to them is simple. You, look, if you suck, then you're probably not going to make it because, I don't know, what's it, 50% of small businesses fail in the first year. Maybe it's even higher than that. So if you suck now, you're probably not going to make it. But if you don't suck, you will. You will because suckage is inevitable. And when you actually kind of apply that, you know, that rubric or that that thinking, um, that, that, you know, that, I, I don't know. I mean, if you were a small business owner, and, and you might be, how would you react to that? How would you react to this idea that um, either you suck or you don't, and if you don't, you will? And, and if you believe that, and most people should believe that, <clears throat> because there is so much intelligence and, uh, and research that proves that, well, the question is, what are you doing about it? What are you doing to prepare yourself for the inevitable suck, for the inevitable suckage? Are you building an organization now, a company now, a brand now, a community now that will scale organically, that will be able to, when it hits the ceiling, break through the ceiling and not you know, hurtle off and bounce off and fall all the way back to earth? Because when you hit a ceiling... It's very, very simple. There are only three scenarios. Scenario one, you break through and you continue growing. Scenario two, you plateau, right? You can't break through and so you just continue at that level or, or height or whatever you want to call it. And then the third one is you fall back down, you decline. Um, and it is as simple as that. So the question is, you know, where are you on your life cycle and what are you doing um, about it? So I, I've gone and, and, and found out and, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a throw out a whole bunch of points, a bunch of ideas. Um, there is the concept of economies of scale that generally helps companies grow, certainly did, you know, in the industrial revolution and all the way through to, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 years ago for the most part. But now you have the concept of diseconomies of scale. Um, and a lot of that also, um, you know, comes back into even marginal utility theory. Um, that by, You know, the, the idea that you eat an ice cream and out of 10, you give it a utility or an enjoyment factor of 10 out of 10. You eat another ice cream, it's about a 9. You have another ice cream, it maybe drops to a 6. And then you have another ice cream and it's like minus one because you're going to puke. You're going to get sick uh, because you ate too much. Well, this economies of scale actually says, you know, the opposite, right? Which is the larger you get and the bigger you get, um, it actually becomes, you become less efficient. There's too much overhead. There's too much friction. There are too many steps now in the process and you actually don't reap the rewards. In fact, you now suffer or it costs you. There is an opportunity cost of doing too much, of being too big. Another concept called giganticism. And <clears throat> giganticism um, is something that almost you know applies to a human being, but again, can also apply um, to uh, a corporation. Um, and, and then there's, um, you know, this... This idea, you know, when, um, you know, and they're connected, right? Giganticism will lead 
to diseconomies of scale, this point where the marginal cost of adding another unit becomes um, a liability because the firm is less agile, less innovative, more prone to error, more prone to inefficiency. Um, they are actually tripping over themselves um, and they are slowing down when the world is speeding up. And I think that brings us to a couple more thoughts. One of them is this idea of creative destruction. Um, <clears throat> I wish I wish that I'd uh, spend more time researching it and writing it into the book. I don't even think I did. I think I, think I was aware of it and it was a little bit too late. Um, but it's a coin, uh, a coin. It's a term coined by economist Joseph Schumpeter, um, and it is essentially the lifeblood of capitalism and innovation. Um, it's the reason why we don't use rotary phones anymore and why industries like renewable energy are disrupting fossil fuels. It's the Lion King circle of life, um, but for business. Um, it's how empires and corporations rejuvenate and reinvigorate themselves if they have the courage to do. Um, it involves destroying in order to rebuild. Um, in many cases, you might even say uh, Netflix um, closing down their DVD uh, business and going all in on streaming um, is part and is partly or in part an example um, of creative destruction. But when you put all of that together um, and you actually say, well, wait a second, um, how, how would this apply to, the, to a corporation um, or what if the corporation was a civilization or if the corporation was an empire? Um, is there actually a life cycle or a, a term limit? to a company or even all companies, at least in the form that we know it today. Um, and, um, and there is a number, and that number is about 250. Uh, Sir John Glubb, uh, G-L-U-B-B, uh, wrote, uh, uh, um, his seminal work was called The Fate of Empires, and he suggested a life cycle of about 250 years or 10 generations uh, and he came up with a whole bunch of uh, ages, the age of pioneers, the age of conquest, the age of commerce, the age of decadence. Um, and, uh, and it stands to reason, right? It stands to reason um, that, I mean, everything that is born and dies has some kind of a cycle or a life cycle uh, from a human being to an innovation to a company to an empire. So, you know, when we basically say to what end, right? To what end? Why is it important um, to not make the mistakes, those seven <coughs> biggest mistakes that leaders make that we, that we discussed yesterday? This is the end. I mean, this is the to what the end. To what end? <clears throat> it's the ability to go back to that line that, that I wrote in the very, very start of Built to Suck that not only is suckage uh, inevitable, but so is death. Uh, the death of a company, the ability for a company to go out of business. Um, you know, we look at uh, Recur, right? Uh, Recur, the marketplace, they had all this, um, these uh, 
exclusives with I think they did Star Trek and Hello Kitty and uh, and um, uh, Nickelodeon gone closing down the marketplace millions upon millions I sound like Donald Trump now millions upon millions upon millions of dollars that were raised all right let me see how much money did recur raise um recur raked in seed funding of 5 million in March of 2021 and uh and then another 50 million at 333 million valuation later that year announced it was winding down operations permanently come November so they raised 55 million dollars and they are going out of business right i mean the thing that makes me so mad so annoyed sometimes is when I see so many amazing entrepreneurs, incredible entrepreneurs, even if I look at myself trying to, you know, get certain projects off the ground or raise money, how hard it is. And then you see these blowhards and these, quite frankly, I mean, if you can't make a business work, having raised $55 million, you don't deserve to be in business. And, and, and look, I don't know the people, and, and so I'm just talking generically. I don't know what happened, or I know the NFT market is in the toilet. Um, I know that this, the, I know all these things. But I'm saying at the end of the day, these, these mofos um, that are part of Recur will move on to the next project and the next project and the next project, and they will keep on raising money, and they will keep on taking people's money, and they'll, and they'll probably keep on losing people's money too until maybe one day they'll they won't and maybe they'll get lucky or not and everyone will just you know all is forgiven and i just think it's like it's frustrating you know it's frustrating to see um the fact that we we see it in small companies medium companies large companies we see it in fast moving companies we see it in slow moving companies and what is the common thread the common thread is people the common thread is people. The common thread is the ability to, you know, again, as we spoke about these mistakes, I wonder, and, and I, I'm not meaning to pick on them, so I'm just like, I'm a thousand times caveating what I'm saying by like, you know, if anyone knows someone who works at Recur or is listening and, you know, like my apologies if I am overstepping my boundaries or if I'm, you know, labeling without and being ignorant, so to speak. Um, but the fact is... You know, I wonder how many of these seven biggest mistakes that leaders make were in fact committed uh, by the leadership at Recur. I wonder, I'm asking, I'm asking the question. I'm asking how much of it could have maybe been avoided had they done it differently. And it's not just Recur, it's every other startup or every other, you know, defunct um, Web three initiative and Web two initiative and Web one initiative and you know it's just I mean the dot com boom and bust the the graveyard of arrogance is just littered with all of these companies so it's like don't knock just one company it is a you know an epidemic of sorts um, and it is not just limited you know to one person or one leadership team or one company. <clears throat> so when we go and we look at the um uh let's see if I can if I can pull up the um if I can pull up the the seven um the seven points um from from yesterday. Um there was 
challenge the status quo, which was all about getting feedback, um, step away for clarity. Um, so, you know, not being in the weeds and so focused and intense, so blinkered and narrow-minded, embrace diversity of thought, uh, ego is the enemy, feedback is fuel in terms of um, uh, building strong relationships. These these are actually, uh, or paraphrase, I'm trying to look for the actual seven. Well, I've got them, I just I don't, um, I've just got to go find them. <clears throat> this idea of creating better teams, um, that was another beautiful one as well. Um, I actually played around and um, I went and said, um, I wonder I wonder if there are others. Um, and so kind of I, I went and um, because I, I actually think this is, <clears throat> this is really uh, a beautiful, beautiful use um, of ChatGPT, which is to go and say, hey, here are the seven. Give me three more. Um, in a way, it's kind of like I would call it lazy brainstorming um, because I'm pretty sure I'm capable of coming up with them myself, uh, maybe even better ones. So are you. Um, but the three, I said, just give me three more to round it out to ten. And these were the three that ChatGPT came up with. Uh, the first was ignoring emotional intelligence. Uh, in the C-suite, IQ gets you in the door, but EQ keeps you in the room. Um, I mean, I love that. I love that quote. That's all uh, uh, GPT um, for you. Um, but actually, it perfectly aligned um, with the homework and the training that I was doing, which was this idea that, um, companies need to be healthy and smart, what I started off today uh, by talking about. So that one is absolutely um, on the money. You know, you want a balanced leader. You want your leaders to be balanced. You don't want your leaders to be, to. I mean, the reality is we do, we are for the most part, we do either, you know, uh, skew left brain or right brain, but we have to really work hard. If we skew right brain, then like I do, you know, I am more visionary um, to use the EOS terms as opposed to an integrator. I am the visionary. I'm the 30,000 foot guy. I'm the person that comes in with 20 ideas into a meeting. I'm the person that hates minutia, that hates bad news, that, you know, that I'm a relationship person. I'm the classic, uh, you know, visionary in the sense that, um, comes in with all these big ideas, uh, distracts people, pulls them from whatever they're meant to be doing. Um, and then within 90 days, there's just chaos because there isn't a plan, there aren't metrics, there, there's no accountability. Um, but so, so I need to work on my IQ. I need to work on my discipline and my accountability. I need to work on my left brain muscle. Because just to be right brain is not good enough. That doesn't mean I have to do both. It just means I need to know enough about the other stuff to be, I don't want to use the term dangerous, um, but let's just say to be useful, to be helpful, um, to be able to contribute. The second one that uh, GPT came up with is mismanaging work-life balance, the juggling um, act. And, um, you know, I, I don't know that this is necessarily a new one because um, I had to kind of go back and, and, uh, and look at the idea of, um, uh, of step away from <clears throat> the business, number two. And, and I think what I realize is they are actually two different things um, because step away is this idea of perspective. 
you know, reading other books, um, talking to other business leaders. Um, I've seen so many leaders that are just so narrow and deep that they have lost all perspective. Um, that every, you know, to a hammer, everything's a nail. Um, and, uh, and they're just one dimensional. Um, and you don't, it's never going to work as a leader. It's never going to work because when the world changes as it does and as it will, and when the marketplace changes as it does and as it will, and when your people change as they do and as they will, you are not going to be able to adapt um, because um, you are a one-trick pony. So mismanaging the work-life balance is actually a little bit, it's not just about burnout and uh, it's actually about culture. It's about setting a tone in the organization, I think, that, um, that you know, absolutely focuses on this idea of working smarter, not harder. And this is a different context of the word smart and healthy. But as they say, working smarter, not harder. You know, this is where I think a really healthy company um, is a company that can survive and thrive in this hybrid environment, in this work-from-home um, environment, because there is an element of trust and reciprocity and integrity. You don't need to be proctoring your employees. I mean, think about that, right? What a what an awful concept, right, to have to proctor your employees. It sounds like a proctologist. Uh, proctor your employees because you don't trust them. Wouldn't it be just so much better just to, you know, be able to say, as long as you get your work done, you're good, you're great, do your thing, you know. And if that means <clears throat> you're listening to a collective cafe from eight to nine because that's what fuels your fire and your life force, and if it means taking the dog out, um, we don't have to be checking up on you as well. That's the essence um, of a leader um, that can maintain um, a work-life uh, balance. Um, and, and I think that, so that's how I reconciled, you know, number, I guess that would be number nine. Um, and then, um, and then you know, I was like, okay, so what's the third one? And I kind of love this one. Um, this one says, overlooking small wins, celebrate the inches. Um, this really just, I mean, this is a bigger point, Right. It, it is two points, right? The first point is celebrate the wins, right? Um, which is we are um, typically always focused on the stuff that we didn't do right, the stuff we did wrong. We're, we're post-morteming and dissecting um, the losses, the failures, the what did we do wrong, um, the, the where did we drop the ball, what could we be doing different every time? We're, we're you know, kind of uh, psychoanalyzing all the, the stuff that didn't turn out the way we'd hoped. And we kind of overlook the stuff that did, right? I mean, what we should be doing, number one, with the wins in general, um, is to say what worked really well and how can we do more of that? Instead of the stuff that didn't work and how do we do less of it, we should be really obsessing on the stuff that did work and do more of that. You know, I, I've said this, I just, you know, ironically, I haven't at the time. Um, but when I look, you know, when I look at, at 
for example, Melissa or Rhonda, who are relatively new to this uh, to this group. And it's funny because, you know, before we went into Clubhouse, we'd be in Discord. Um, today, Slick is in Discord. He's all by himself in Discord. Uh, normally, Bez would be there and uh, and Christopher would be there and Jensa would be there. Um, and they're kind of here today. Um, and... Um, and so we've moved and we've expanded now by three or four or five regulars. Um, and so if I'm applying, if I'm eating my own dog food, what I'd be saying is, is I need to, you know, uh, this may be painful, Rhonda and Melissa, um, but like I need to like put you on a slab, you know, and dissect you and your brain and understand and your heart. And like uh, I'm, I'm saying very figuratively, like, how did you find this? How did you find me? What, 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 what attracted you to to this to me? Um, why did you stay? Um, you know, and and how can I clone you? How can I find a hundred thousand more Melissas and and a million more Rondas? And how can I do that? And of course, going back to Bez and and how do I kind of create the Bez? persona and the Bez prototype and 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 the Christopher clone and the and the shadows pub uh you know kind of template um this is a huge huge um insight I think that I need to be doing myself right but I recommend you do it too maybe you'll beat me to the punch um which is we really really try and and celebrate each victory each new customer, each new viewer, each new subscriber. Um, and then, of course, the almighty question is, what's it going to take to activate, to activate the army of the agent BZR, the the army of shadow, you know, the shadow army, the, the Rhonda army, where Rhonda says, I'm going to make it my life's work to bring 10 people, 100 people, 1,000 people. I'm not going to stop until I drop. Um, that is the win, and that is the victory, and that is, you know, getting to the small win as well. And then, of course, you know, when I look at, um, I see, for example, he has James uh, that I've never met before, or, you know, or Stephen, who's a product certification expert. You know, is it the person? Is it the human? Is it luck? Is it serendipity? Is it the job title? Um, you know, and so, and so it's important to, instead of being able to talk about the people that are not here. Um, what about celebrating the people that are here? So the small wins um, is something else and something very powerful too. You know, I um, I actually had this whole continuum that I've used um, in my actual consulting in my in my actually with my companies with Crayon with Evolution, and I call and I call the continuum uh, short term wins. Um, so ironically, all of the stuff, by the way, that 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 the machine came up with, um, I came up with years ago, decades ago. Um, I called it small wins, medium term uh, metrics, and then I called it long term sales. And I said, and so let me explain. Let me walk you through all three. I'm actually going to work backwards. The long why I called it long term sales is because when we talk about the vision and the mission and the North Star and and the BHAG and the the dream like like what's the dream what's the dream for you for your business for your brand etc. I decided to attach the word sales to long term. Why? Because I wanted to be very deliberate to juxtapose short term sales 
from long-term sales because the short-term sale, which I have no interest in, you know, at least in terms of longevity and sustainability of a company. Remember, if we want to kind of go full circle, if you came in a little bit late today, by the way, um, you can, if you see the link above, um, you can subscribe um, to this um, session, which we do Monday through Friday, 8 to 9, as a podcast. Um, but replays are also on within Clubhouse. But if you want to take this with you or go back, um, you can. So we're talking about the life cycle of an empire, of a dynasty, of a civilization, or the corporate empire being about 250 years. So if you want to ensure some kind of, if you want to live for 250 years, and let's just say no more, or maybe Bell would extend it a little bit. Maybe you get another 25 or 50 years. Maybe you you go all the way to 300 or 350. Maybe you buck the trend, but you're not going to do it um, if you are not achieving long-term sales, or I should say, if you're constantly focused on short-term sales, the discounts, the coupons, the you know, the promos, the sweepstakes, the direct marketing and direct response, you know, you lose, as they say, you kind of lose the battle to win the war. Here, you're winning the battle to lose the war. That's the short-term sales, the, you know, the quarterly earning uh, short-termitis, what I call a CTD, a corporate transmitted disease, specifically amongst larger companies. But in this particular case, We're talking about long-term sales, a bigger picture that says if we are long-term smart and healthy, we are going to be able to, the sales, the revenue, the profit, the market share, those are just going to be natural um, outcomes as opposed to forced or even worse ones that can only come from acquisition where we have to buy our growth as opposed to live our growth or just kind of naturally enjoy our growth. Now, the medium-term milestone or the medium-term metric, I call it medium-term milestones, is really just, um, and these are all kind of like somewhat tangible, right? It, it A milestone can be a number, but it can also be an outcome or an event. These are just designed to actually kind of give us a sense that we're on track as well. So it's it's not a short-term win right? Um, It's not uh, a long-term sales, but it's a medium-term metric, a medium-term milestone. It's it's like, um, you know, it's like uh, you're flying somewhere and you have a layover, right? Or uh, or if you, on a long drive, you know, you stay overnight at a motel um, or or decide to just, you know, uh, rest, recuperate, um, take stock or whatever, but, but, but it, the the main goal of the medium term milestone or metric is are we on track are we on track are we on course have we veered off course have we lost our way um and as i often say or is there actually a better way things have changed since we started out on this journey maybe we kind of do a little bit of a shift or a pivot maybe we do something even more dramatic from a disruption or a transformation standpoint. But is there a shortcut? Is there a new cut? Is there a long cut that's maybe the scenic route? So it is an opportunity to kind of recalibrate, you know, as the GPS would say, uh, rerouting. Um, And then we get to the short-term wins, as I called it. And the short-term wins, 
you know, I would always define it in a meeting, in a in a session with a consultant, which is what are the things, um, or with a brand as a consultant, I should say, I would say to them, what are the things, the decisions that you can make today that you can execute today that you can actually see some kind of result, if not today, tomorrow. But the short-term win was was literally focused on this idea of within almost 24 hours, 24 to even 48 hours. But let's just say 24 hours, something that didn't require, um, you know, a, a meeting or a brainstorm or approvals or let's get legal involved or corporate comms or corp comms or uh, compliance um, or governance or procurement. Ugh. You know, how gross is all of that, right? Something that that the people in the room were empowered to be able to say, you know what, I can do that. I can do it actually right now while we're sitting. Um, the short-term wins, the small wins add up to the medium-term or the medium wins add up to the long-term sales in this case or bigger wins as well. And so celebrating the inches, overlooking small wins, I feel is a great um addition to this idea, you know, of the biggest mistakes um, that CEOs make. Why? Uh, because, again, you know, it's ironic. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a massive contradiction. They're so in the, in the weeds and in the minutiae and intense and, you know, as I said, narrow and deep, but yet they're still blind to the victories and the small wins because, one foot is actually there and the other foot is is you know the big quota or or the pressure you know coming down the pike so in in some of the research that i was doing today um ahead of as i was saying um of my training as a coach was this idea um of um evolution versus revolution and this concept of um hitting the ceiling um, for companies, um, and it's interesting because a lot this thinking is actually um, it's it's drawn from the legacies of European psychologists that actually talk about the behavior of humans of individuals uh, as being determined mainly by what has happened in the past, as opposed to what lies ahead, as opposed to the future, um, and so. You know, typically what happens is in companies, the almost the exact um, opposite happens, um, which is which is companies are so focused and leaders are so focused on what are we going to do about, you know, these what I would call um, lagging indicators. Sales are down, market share is down, you know, margins are down. Um, and they're so much focused on kind of what are we going to do about it as opposed to taking stock you know, again, lifting your head up and understanding where are we, how did we get here, is this where we wanted to be, what steps have we taken, what are we doing in the, what have we done in the past that may not make sense today or tomorrow. So what you actually recognize and why I'm kind of mentioning this to you is, is that it's a, it's a, it's actually very dynamic. There's past, there's present, you know, and there's future. Um, and, the small-term win, right, is very much focused on the now. 
the medium term milestone in a way is a little bit more focused on you kind of expand from this moment but you expand both backwards and forwards and then the long term sales is is the biggest zoom out of them all but again what it should be doing is expanding backwards and forward to be able to kind of get a much more a bigger picture view so like i think if you were to close your eyes and visualize this whole this tapestry um it is you know the word is balance that jumps out at me balance and equilibrium that you always you want work life balance uh, eq iq balance um short term long term balance past present future balance that is what that is ultimately i think how you get to smart <coughs> smart and healthy the ability to like be well rounded because the minute that you are imbalanced you know the minute that you are lopsided um things are not straight <laughs> things are skew um things you know there is there is by definition a deficiency if there is a surplus in one area there is typically a deficiency in another and so it's something to think about as well um i did see a comment from ronda ronda said i have no idea how we came together uh, but so glad to be here i'm actually brand new to clubhouse and all i can attribute our connection to is fate i was also mesmerized by your accent uh lol your daily nuggets have long term gain for an accountability mindset i love it here and i love you being here and you know and in many respects your story ronda is the typical story right i have no idea how we came together um there are a lot of people that have no idea too but they don't they um they don't have the ability to just go with it and run with it and say i don't know how i got here but i'm glad i'm here um this is the the power of sometimes of getting lost sometimes the power of like i was just random i was just scrolling i was just you know hitting the uh you know the clubhouse roulette button and i ended up here i'm meant to be here um people like you are in the minority people should be more people should be like you you know and and there are people here today you know for example that may say you know what i'm i want to be like ronda it's like i want to be like mike i want to be like ronda i'm going to come back tomorrow and the beautiful thing is you know i look around in the room and the room is is i think nice and intimate at the moment um about 18 people here and i'm looking at names and i see dexter and ninja and latosha and monica and nawaf and sasinda and and uh and it's amazing how you know a face or a, or a pfp or an icon a profile picture suddenly becomes a whole fully formed person nawaf just waved as well and suddenly people start to animate themselves um through emoticons or emojis or or being in the chat um and slowly but surely um they come out of what i call lurker mode and before you know it um we've expanded um and and you see the the difference and the beautiful thing about this when you're building something or building community building family um and i i've witnessed this myself very very you know personally you know i'll give you the anecdote with 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 my um uh with my kids so my kids would have like at one point i don't know like 450 followers on instagram 
and every one of their comments would have about 450 likes. And I would have, like, at the time, like 12 or, or 12,000 followers on Instagram, and I'd be getting eight likes. What's up with that, right? So that is the classic example um, between, you know, between quality and quantity. Because I live in a world, you know, I live in a world where somebody reaches out to me and says, hey, Joe, could you introduce me to, um, you know, I'll just make up a name here. Uh, could you introduce me to Justin Jefferson? Um, he, uh, you know, he's in the real estate business. He connects with great people through real estate. And I saw you connected to him on Clubhouse. By the way, I just followed him because why not, Right. And then I would say, uh, or, or I see you guys are connected on LinkedIn. I go, honestly, I don't know who he is. No clue. Just connected to him. I'm connected to, I have 21,000 connections on LinkedIn. Um, sorry, 21,000 followers and 10,000 people I'm connected to. So even of the 10,000 people I'm connected to, I, I probably know 1,000 of them or 1,500 of them. Um, so there's an acute imbalance. Now, obviously, I'm coming from a slightly different position um, because I have written five books. And so, you know, I get to be in front of more people, typically one to many, whether it's, you know, being a keynote speaker or running a room um, or, pu- or putting out content, etc. But there's an acute difference. My goal should be um, to say we have a room of 20 people and I know every single person. That should be the goal. That should always be the goal. I should know, you know, I should know Christina Pierce, um, who is a guide to the innerverse, which I, I imagine must be better than the metaverse uh, or the outerverse. So that's the goal. The goal is, um, you know, I, I may have said this before, but um, there's a beautiful, uh, one of the mottos of Washington University in St. Louis, where my daughter just graduated from, WashU is this idea of know every student by name and by story. And, and I really, really love that. Um, know, you should know everyone in your community by their name and by their story. You should know everyone in your clubhouse room uh, by their name and their story. You should know every one of your customers by their name and their story. And you definitely should know every one of your employees, obviously by their name, but also by their story. Everyone has a story and the empathy that a leader should have is to be able to take the time to know them by their name and their story. And again, when we go back to the seven or now 10 biggest mistakes that CEOs or leaders make, it's the fact that they're not taking the time. I mean, Vistage talks about taking the time, you know, to get feedback and, and etc. Um, and collaborate, and not just feedback on what's going on, but also feedback on ideas. But you should also be taking the time to get to know everyone. Um, and that might be, okay, maybe that's part of take yourself you know, out the business every now and then, and maybe it's work-life balance. But there's probably a third part to that as well, which is making sure um, that you are really, like, really, really leaning in and taking the time to get to know uh, one another. Um, it, it's beautiful because the the more um, the more you do that, um, and the more people you talk to, and you really want to kind of understand their story, the more something's just going to leap out and just you know blow you away. You know, one of the things that I've done 
on on my talk show on Joseph Jaffe is not famous um, is that I have this little segment called three fun facts um, and not only do I get like I know that Jeff Jarvis you know one of the 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 biggest OGs you know in the blogosphere and in the in the early social media days and his Buzz Machine blog is still going and. And he just wrote a book called The Gutenberg uh, Parentheses. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, you'll see that interview um, in the next, um, you'll see that interview in the next uh, six weeks, four to six weeks. I'm a little behind. By the way, um, today I'm going to just release the Dan Lyons um, interview. Uh, Dan Lyons, who um, was one of the lead writers on Silicon Valley on HBO, and he just wrote a book called STFU, Shut the F*** Up. See, I had to do that again. I'm a child, um, and so I'll have that. I'll I'll have that um, interview um, out today, published um, on probably LinkedIn or Substack or whatever. Um, but the thing about Jeff Jarvis is he's afraid of bridges. So there you go. And we actually had like a really interesting exchange um, because I just shared, you know, the whole um, Collective Cafe episode I did on burning bridges. And he's like, thanks so much for triggering me, you know, like, and I was like, oh man, I didn't realize I didn't, I, I didn't do that on purpose um, as well. So suddenly when you know that, that, you know, that uh, Jeff Jarvis is, I don't know, afraid of, of bridges, the whole, the whole dimension shifts. It's, it's, it's really interesting. You know, it's like suddenly like we can talk about why or how did that come about or, you know, I mean, it's and and it's amazing. It's almost like that's why they call them sometimes. Um, you know, that's why they 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 call it like icebreakers. You need those icebreakers, otherwise, everything is just so you know cold and brittle and inanimate and sterile in a work environment. So when you play things like two truths and a lie, um, it it just starts to you start to melt a, away all of that exterior. You know, all of those guards and, and obstacles that we put up that prevent us from getting to know our, our story um, as well. Um, Rhonda says, building uh, business relationships organically has been rewarding. It helps just being true to who we are and work on being our best for ourselves. A hundred percent. And the reason why, you know, I want to keep building the Collective Cafe is because because I think we've got a good thing going here. I think we've got a great thing going here. I think this is, you know, the best kept secret in Clubhouse and maybe off Clubhouse. At least I want it to be. At least that's what I'm I'm trying to build. That's what I'm aspiring. It's a work in progress. We'll keep getting better. Um, and I don't want it to be the best kept secret, though. I don't want people here to hoard it. I want people here to share it. Um, because I think that we can do more together. You know, I think that business right now is in the most dire place. Forget about the, you know, giganticism and, and the corporate empire. It's not just corporations. It's all business. Things are just quiet and weird at the moment. And people are just, you know, that people are, people are got, we are going through a massive, massive global PTSD at the moment. Um, and, and I just don't think people even realize it. Um, they're going to work, they're coming home, they're working from home, they're, you know, occasionally attending Taylor Swift concerts, but it just seems dead. It just seems like, like, it just seems like we're like living this 
walking dead environment right now. Um, uh, that's just my gut. That's my corporate empath uh, talking as opposed to seeing people come together in big groups and celebrating. Like we need more Woodstocks, right? We need more festivals. We need more IRL and virtual opportunities for people to come together en masse and do it more often. Um, it's actually what I'm kind of grateful for now with uh, and, and within EOS. We meet four times a year. Um, I... I'm actually doing it virtually tomorrow, so I'm like out of action the whole day. It's called a QCE, which is a quarterly collaborative exchange. Um, so I'm going to be doing this virtually. Um, but when I did my first one three months ago, when I completed boot camp, um, I was there in person in in Tampa, um, and they do them in in uh, I think it's uh, Detroit, Tampa, um, Denver, and there's maybe a fourth one as well. But I'm going to try and make an effort to show up in person at least once or twice a year. And then we also do um, these regional ones as well. So on Monday, I'm going to be driving up to Boston for the day and hanging out with all the New England um, implementers as well. The power of community, yes, but actually also the power of getting together, the power of coming together, the power of being able to connect and there are beautiful dynamics. There is good, bad, and ugly when people come together. You know, so one of the things I've been training for is this: this, you know, one of the leadership abilities is the the uh, is called simplify, right? Because we recognize as as we keep growing our business, as we keep growing our community, it does get more complicated and more complex with lines of communication, with ambiguity, um, etc. But the point I want to make as a final point here, and certainly, um, Christopher, if you want to try and jump up for the last minute and see if, if, we, if, if it worked again, is that with all of these opportunities for ambiguity and complexity also comes opportunity for collaboration, brainstorming, creativity, um, and transformation. When a bunch of like-minded people come together all you know, with you know what do they say, uh, a common, uh, common um, uh, shared shared passion and common purpose, or common passion and shared purpose. Um, so let's just see. Um, let's just see, uh, Christopher. Are you are you unrugged? I think he's. We can't hear him. I see. I start to like so. Day two of the Christopher saga continues. Now I'm worried. Can you all hear me? Um, because we can't hear Christopher. Um, give me, give me an emoji as we climb, as we, um, as we wind down. So, um, in a room, uh, Bez and and Tim and Slick, uh, Rhonda, Angel, Melissa, Bez, James, Ninja, Justin, Shadow, Stephen, Nawaf, Latasha, Monica, uh, Marai, Mori. Morai, nice name, Kadri, Roman, and James. Um, I just want to thank you for being here. Um, we had about 184 people uh, come in and through the cafe. This replay will be on. Um, this podcast, um, again, you can subscribe through the link above, will be live within the next hour or so. Um, there will be some kind of a LinkedIn or a Substack 
um, article um, as well. So we will also just keep on f- figuring out ways to expand, extend, um, build on the content, on the momentum, uh, help one another, help the people that we interact with on a daily basis um, and keep moving forward. Um, take care, everyone. See you all tomorrow. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.